that song we just sang, there's no way we can worship him unless we do get ourselves out of the way. Because we, if we're in the middle, we're the ones that we're worshiping. And that is never a good outcome. We might think it is. It might make us feel good for a little while, but it will never satisfy. It will never draw us closer to him. Christmas, it's usually the favorite time of year for all of us. It's a festive time. We have, in fact, we had our church dinner last night, which was great. We had an awesome time. And uh, Stephanie wore out the floor back going back and forth because everybody kept stealing her gift, you know. And, uh, and uh, she blamed it on her daughter. There's that blame game, you know, blaming on her daughter. She's picking all the good ones and everybody wanted it. But it's just a great time. We get to give, we get to receive, and it's just a, an awesome time of the year. And Unfortunately, the tragedy that took place this week in our nation is, is going to dampen it for many. Uh, not just those families, but their friends, and even us. I don't know about you, but this is a tremendous impact on me as well uh, to, for such a tragedy to take place. And, and in fact, we're going to look at another time when something similar happened today in regard to the Christmas message and wonder why it happened and, and maybe make a comparison there. But... We need to keep our focus on worshiping Christ. And it's so easy to get distracted from that. And we can fuss about all kinds of things that are going on in our lives. Uh, but if our focus is not on Him, uh, life's going to get extremely difficult for each one of us. So our title of our message, we've come to worship Him because that's what these wise men did. Um, I like to call them astrologers because I think that's what they were. We'll look at that more as we go along here. But as we look at verse 2, we're reminded again, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have come to see a star in the east and have come to worship him. As a newborn child, he is already designated to be the king of the Jews. Now there's a lot of children born... And some of them will become presidents. Some will become kings. Some will become dictators. Some will become... And, and in this culture, this is why I think Herod was kind of uptight. In that culture, it was not uncommon for the king's children, king's sons to follow after him and, and maintain rule for a good many years. And here's one that has already been designated king. So now he has a threat. Especially the Jews, and we learned in our Bible study this morning, and again, if you don't come to our Bible study Sunday morning, you're missing out on a great deal. And uh, uh, Dan taught today and, and brought to our attention the, the, the rulership and the Jews and Herod and Agrippa and how they were, they knew the thinking of the Jews and, and he kind of played into their thinking to get them on his side and so he could rule them well and... and uh, but here, here is a bit on the nervous side because here's someone that... And again, Herod's thinking, this, this guy doesn't have to wait to become an adult to become a king because there was a lot of childhood. Even in Israel's history, there was kings that took over when they were eight years old. Now, did they actually rule? Probably not. They probably had some men that were helping until they got of age. But Herod knows, here's a two-year-old that probably by the time he's eight, he's going to take over my throne. He's nervous. But these guys are excited. And we'll look at more how that might have come about. But no one really cares at this point in that day that Jesus is going to be their king. The majority of the world doesn't even care to know. And it's, a, it's probably a very small group of people that are actually looking for the Messiah. We know there was Hannah. We know there was Simeon. I believe Mary and Joseph were looking. His parents were looking. There were those that anticipated and knew that a Messiah was coming. And they knew it was soon. And so they were looking, but the most of the world doesn't care. Do we see that application anywhere today? How many in the world today are actually looking for a Savior, looking for a Redeemer, looking for someone to make a difference? They're not. And it'd be interesting to see, and, and I don't know how much you've been following this news thing, but I got a little clip of one that sounded like one of those fathers was a believer. And he was already establishing a testimony for Christ. And the, the fact that he lost his oldest daughter in this slaying. 
You think that's a mistake? I don't believe so. That message of the gospel is going to get out in some way. And here it was on Fox News. Kelly, uh, I forget his last name, but I know he's a believer. He was making the most of it on the news to portray the gospel of Christ. And that's, that's what God's doing here. Worldwide coverage on what God is doing in the world today. So no one really cares, but God brings things about to bring it to people's attention. And we're going to look at some things today in regard to that. Where is the Christ? Now, in parentheses, you might want to put in your notes, in your Bible, the Messiah. Because Christ and Messiah are the same. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the Hebrew word. The Messiah. And here was Herod. He was the king of the Jews. He had been for 40 years. But in those 40 years, no one ever called him Messiah. He's sensing that this word Messiah is a really special term among the Jews. Why haven't I been called the Messiah? Maybe if I knew about this, I could have set myself up as Messiah. He wanted control. That's what man wants. When, in fact, if we're not born again and not living for God, we want control. <laughs> I want to control my life and I want you to live my life for, with me. You do whatever you have to do to please me. That's how we get into arguments when we, we do. But here, Herod saw himself as king, but he was never called the Messiah. But he's sensing that this Messiah was a long-awaited, anointed ruler by God, and he's getting nervous. And probably at some point, maybe this king, and we know the scripture says he may not have known at this time, he was concerned about his own little kingdom that he was ruling. But we know that this king was coming to take control of the world. And that's where it's going to happen eventually. In the millennium, Christ will rule for a thousand years the whole planet. But we see that these men are from the east. Now, it doesn't say specifically, so we don't know exactly where, but we look at verse 2. Wherever they're from, they must have been students of the word. They weren't just looking for a star to see where, why that star appeared, and we'll talk about that more because this was not a normal star obviously. But there are men who work in verse 2 it says where is he who is born king of the Jews? They knew and I believe here there is some kind of a special revelation given to these men. That this star was an indicator that the Messiah, the king of the Jews was here. Because we find no place in scripture anywhere where it talks about a star will appear when he appears. So this has been something special that God gave these men and we'll look at, develop that a little bit more as we go along here. But in some way, God revealed to them the significance of this star. Verse 3. God had these men go to Herod. Now the question is this. They left Herod. The star appeared and it led them right to the baby Jesus. Why didn't he do that before? Why did you just take this star and go right to Jesus? Because there's, a, there, there's a, a bigger picture here. Because notice what happened here. Herod the king heard this. He was troubled. And who else? All of Jerusalem. Now, did they get on the internet? Did they get on the telephone? They had their own communication system, didn't they? Somehow, some way, all of Jerusalem, we got a king? Didn't know we had a king. Jerusalem was referring to who? The nation of Israel. Somehow the word got out real fast. There's a king been born and he's ours. And they weren't happy about it. It says they were troubled with him. Now I'm not sure I completely understand all that. But they certainly weren't geared to looking for their king and their Messiah. So why did God direct these men to the king? There is a very, very important message. There's a very, very important event taking place right here and now. And he wants to get that message out really, really quick. And so he used their internet system to get it out. Because if they'd gone to the, right to the baby, it would have been like the shepherds. But he just went back to the sheep and it didn't spread it anywhere. But by the, this, these men going there, word started spreading 
there's something special going on here. What is it? And we know that this is probably several months after his birth. This wasn't the night of the birth. This was sometime later. And so God is doing his best to get the message out that their Messiah is here. And what if Herod had asked who instead of where? He wanted to know where. He didn't really care who, did he? He wanted to know where so he could take care of who. He didn't really care who it was. But in verse 2, we see that he was worthy of worship and that troubled him. Let's turn to Micah chapter 5. Now Micah is one of those little minor prophets in the back. So if you find Jonah, Micah, Nahum, find somewhere near you'll find the book of Micah. Chapter 2. You want to look at a couple of verses here where Micah was prophesying about this coming Messiah. Micah chapter 2, verse 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Does that verse sound familiar? The scribes and the, and the high priests, they quoted this when Herod asked, where did he come from? Where is he at? Well, he must be in Bethlehem. So they knew where he was going to be. They just weren't looking for him. But if they asked who, they would learn from this verse that this who is from everlasting. Who's everlasting? This, this word everlasting here is not that he's had a beginning and going to last forever. He is from everlasting. Who is from everlasting? Only God. God's the only one that's never had a beginning. So what he's talking about here is God has come in human flesh. He needs to inquire who this is, not where he is, but he is, he, he is God. Verse 4 of the same chapter. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They shall abide, and now for he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This is the one. But it says he will shepherd his flock. So he's going to be a shepherd, not just a dictator king like these guys were. He's going to care for a sheep in a kind, gentle way, meet their needs. He will be the final king in human history. He will reign over all of earth, not just Israel. And we know from John 1.1 1, 1 and John 1.14... That God came and dwelt among us as his flesh. And that's who this Jesus is. Those are the questions that Herod should have been asking who it is, but he didn't care. All he wanted to know was where he is. And we today need to be asking, and the world needs to be asking today, who is this Jesus that everybody keeps talking about? In fact, isn't it interesting? Of all the curse words and the curse names we could use out there, what's the one that's the only one that ever used? Jesus Christ's name. That should tell the world something. Why isn't Harvey? Why isn't Bob? Why isn't John? Why isn't Susie? It's Jesus. The reason is because it's the most important name in all of history. And Satan wants to ridicule it. He wants to, to dirty it. And so people use it as a curse word. And I'm sure, and I hope it does, make us cringe when we hear somebody using his name like that. And I trust that now and again we're bold enough to say, in fact, I know one guy said, he had a friend that was doing this, he says, I didn't think you were a Christian. Well, I'm not. Well, you pray to him all the time because he's using his name, you know. And he thought, well, you must be praying to him if you're using his name that much. He was just trying to make a point that please don't use my Lord's name that way. Maybe if you got a friend like that, you need to start using their name when you want to curse around them and see how they make how that makes them feel. But that's the point of it, isn't it? It's not a matter of where he is, it's a matter of who he is. And the world certainly knows that there's something special about this guy, or they wouldn't use his name the way they do. Jesus is the Messiah. He will be the king of the Jews, and we know that eventually he will be the king of the whole world. He is the final king. I'm, long, I'm looking forward to that day. I really am. It's going to be different for us than those who went through the tribulation and get into the millennium. We're going to come back with him. 
But I still think it's going to be an awesome time for a thousand years to be here and see things governmentally run the way they're supposed to be. I don't think there'll be 100% peace because there'll still be sinners here, but it's going to be a whole lot better than what we're seeing today. I long for that. But we need to worship Him as these men did from the East. Matthew's focus in the book of Matthew through the whole thing, his focus is on Christ's kingship. Now if, you know, if you're familiar with the Gospels at all, and you've probably heard this, each one of the Gospels looks at Christ in a different way. Let's see if I can remember what they are, and if I'm wrong, somebody can correct me, but Paul looked at him from, as a king. Uh, Mark looks at him as a servant. John looks at him as a man, and uh, what's the fourth one? I'm missing one. Luke looks at him as... I think Luke looks at him as a man, because Luke was a doctor. That's how that connection goes. Uh, Mark looks at him as a man, and John looks at him as a sir, as God. That's what it is. John looks at him as God. So he looked at it from four different perspectives so we can get a better understanding of who he is. But the focus is now shifted to foreigners. Up to this point, probably things have been pretty quiet. There's been a lot of guesses how many months have gone by. Some say as many as two years. But I don't know that we can say for sure. I don't know how they even come up with two years. But it, it, it does appear that there's several months that have gone by. And probably nothing has been going on for the last two. Everything has been status quo, real quiet. Jesus has been growing just like a normal baby. No one's paying much attention to it. But God doesn't want that to be lost in just a mundane, everyday life. So he allowed these men... Where they're from, it doesn't say specifically. Some say uh, probably from um, Iraq or Iran and, and that, that part of the country. But east of Israel, obviously, they were astrologers of some sort because they saw a star. A star they'd never seen before. be interested to know when that star appeared, but we don't have that information either. These were Gentiles. And this star, in some way was associated with the Messiah. Again, I believe this was a special revelation that he revealed to them. That star you have discovered in the sky is pointing to where the Messiah is. Now, whether he told them to go see it or they said, we got to go see this thing, and they began their journey. And they didn't jump in an airplane. They didn't jump in a car. It probably took them several weeks to walk to get where they were. And we, and we know the story. We usually have three kings, you know, one for each of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We had no idea how many there were, but there was more than two, or more than one because it's in plural. But these men associate the star with the Messiah. And so the, the world now is beginning, Christ's revelation of his coming is now beginning to move beyond just Jerusalem and Israel to the rest of the world. And that takes us to Matthew 28, which we're all familiar with, 19 and 20. Because what is the purpose of Christ being here? Christ did not leave his focus in Israel. And Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The gospel is to go to all corners of the world. And I would say probably today, there's no corner on the planet Earth where the gospel has not been reached. Because of technology today, where can you hide in this world? Even the jungles of Amazon, they've got just about every tribe pinned down somewhere and identified. Now, not every culture, not every groups of people has their own word of God. But we know where they're at. And missionaries are making great efforts to get the gospel to them. But he is the Messiah. As we read already, they quoted the high priest that he was prophesied and Matthew is showing it fulfilled. So the nations will become our light. Matthew expresses the fulfillment. Worshipping him is the fulfillment of prophecy for all men. Now let's his prophecy is fulfilled, but let's look at the mystery of the star. 
because of the star, there is the worldwide wide attention brought to it. Now, how did these men discover the star? We have no, no idea. How did it lead into Bethlehem? I believe that's why this is not a normal star. Because what is a star? It's a sun. Our sun is a star. So if our, star, if our sun is a star, you can imagine what all those other stars out there that we're looking at. So this star is, is some form of a light that they could see from the east. It was high enough in the sky that they could see it, and this is not normal. And it doesn't appear that it led them anywhere until after they met with Herod. But they went to its source. And apparently it was up high enough that they could not pin the exact location of to where the baby Jesus was. So they went to Herod to find out more information. Surely if we see this star, you guys see it, you'll know the answer. And it sounds like these are the only men who knew that star was there. Do you kind of feel lonely as a Christian sometimes because you're the only one that knows that Christ is there? That's exactly the way it is. How did the star stand over him? Well, obviously it moved. So there's some kind of a special light that's identified and called a star that moved over to the place where the baby Jesus was. And they rejoice at the sight of the star. We see in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 2. If you get back there again, Matthew 2.10. These men knew when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They knew this was a divine effort by God to lead them, and they rejoiced over it. And their, their joy was exceeding. It was from God. It pointed to Christ. It was unique. It was successful. In fact, if you're an astrologer and you see this thing as a star, it'd be exciting just to follow it to see what it is if you can get that close to it. Now, you've you got to be an astrologer to appreciate that. Anybody here like to watch stars? Uh, I'm not much in that. Brianna had to do it. You did that once, didn't you? Watch stars for a college class or something, I remember. Um, to me, it's, I enjoy looking at stars, but I don't particularly enjoy looking at all the stars, how they line up and make pictures and all that kind of stuff. But there's some that, that's their thing. They just enjoy that. And in fact, you can even buy a star and have it named after you. You know? <laughs> Why? God's already given that star a name. Why do I want to put my name on it? But you can buy a star and get your name put on it if you really want to. But why? The, the final redemption is here. They know that this is the mean of the Messiah because it says the Christ. They know what it's all about. So our focus must not be on how it happened, but on who it was revealing. What was the purpose of the star? Not to get excited about the star. I don't think they, their excitement was so much about the star itself. Their excitement was the star was revealing the Messiah. That's what made the star extra special. I'd be curious to know, when did that star disappear? When they turned and started going home and they didn't need it anymore? We don't know. But God used this to bring these individuals to see him. Bringing to light, once again, the importance of the Messiah being here. Their rejoicing was most excitable. It guided them, these wise men. And because of their knowledge of the scriptures. Now, how would these men know all about this stuff? They're not from Israel. How would they know that there was a Messiah coming? Well, speculation to this, I think, is a very strong argument. Where did Daniel be taken when he's under captivity? To the east of, of Jerusalem and Israel, under the Babylonian and, and Assyrian governments. And what did Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do when they were there? They taught the people about God. Is it possible that there were men that came to know Christ? Absolutely, because I believe Nebuchadnezzar became a believer. I believe it's entirely possible. These are remnants of Daniel's ministry east of Jerusalem. They got the gospel. They got the word. And they had it, and they were anticipating what the Jews were anticipating, a Messiah's coming. 
And so God wanted this gospel spread out worldwide. And so he brought these wise men to the Savior to see him. Now, have you ever tried to put yourself in the shepherd's shoes or these wise men's shoes and being led? I mean, we're all love babies. I've never seen anybody say, I hate babies. I mean, we just, we all goo goo gaga all over the babies. We love babies. We just love them. But can you imagine the shepherds being in the very barn in which the Messiah was born? You've got to believe that these shepherds, can I hold him? Can I hold him? Would you? Yeah, you would. Can you imagine holding the baby Jesus in your own arms? And now the Messiah, these wise men come to see the Messiah. He's several months old. Maybe he's even begin to walk, begin to talk. But can you imagine sitting in the home of where the Messiah was and observing him as a child? The Almighty God, the Messiah, is sitting right here in front of me, sitting on my lap. What an excitement that must have been for them. To have that privilege, knowing who he is. You think they kept quiet about it when they got home? I guarantee you they didn't. The word spread. We've seen the Messiah. The star led us to. There's no doubt in our mind who he is. God has made it crystal clear. The Messiah is here. We would not talk about it the rest of our lives. And these men didn't. They took the gospel back to where they were. And the emphasis is not on the star. The emphasis is on the baby. Because that's who... That, in fact, that star is still shining today, isn't it? In some respects, through us. In fact, I, as I was... Reflecting in my notes this morning, this thought came to my mind. Where do we ever get the term movie star? I wonder if it came from this. Because how much importance do we as in this world put on movie stars? I mean, we look up to them like they're gods. I mean, they have a lot of political agendas and they get out there and speak and, oh, wow, I guess I better listen because he's a movie star. Right? That's the way the world We're not like that. I'm sure you're not like that. But that's the way the world is. Don't you just wish the world would look up to God? Oh, he's a movie. He, he is God's star. I better listen to him. Because he's the only one that's worth listening to. He is God himself. I'm sure you don't agree with all these things that these movie stars continue to push as far as the agenda in our nation. Some of them are good and we, we can support them, but so many of them are so liberal and they don't really care. But they expect everybody to listen because I'm important to you. I'm rich, I'm on the screen, but we don't want to listen to them. So that star is still shining today. Christ has been revealed to all the nations of the world. God wants us to seek him. Why? To worship. And in fact, these men didn't come and say, heal me. I know you're a little baby, but heal me. They came to worship him. Where is our focus? Now again, I remind you, because it's easy to do. In this Christmas season, we can get so caught. In fact, there's sometimes when I don't like Christmas to come. We get so busy with Christmas activities that sometimes it can be a severe distraction as to what Christmas is really all about. We don't, we're worried about we don't have enough money to buy gifts for family or friends and we don't have time to do this and go there and, and do all this. Does it really matter? In fact, you know something would be radical for us to do one Christmas? Not give any gifts at all. And just focus on him. 
I've suggested that in my family. We're all spread out now, and we used to get together at least at Christmas time, and we haven't been able to do that now for several years because family's all spread out. But we draw names and we keep exchanging them. And, and I suggest to my mom, I said, Mom, I'd like to make a suggestion. Next year, let's not bother with that. In fact, there was a time for about 10 years, maybe even longer, I don't remember. Instead of buying gifts for each other, my dad suggested this. I think it's an excellent idea, and, and maybe we'll get back to it. But instead of us giving all of our money to ourselves, one member of the family, or one family of, of the eight or nine of us that are involved in it, my, my parents and my brothers and sisters, that family got to choose one missionary or a good cause, you want to put it that way, and we would send all of our money to them, and they would take that money and give it to a missionary. And that's usually where it went. Usually a missionary was laid on our heart, and we'd give all that money to a missionary that particular year. Sometimes it would be eight or nine hundred dollars. And you know missionaries could certainly use that. Perhaps we should think of the same thing. Let's use our money to get the gospel out and not just to fill our coffers. I don't know about you. My wife's been asking me, what do you want for Christmas? I don't need nothing, dear. I don't need anything. Don't, I don't want anything. Keep the money in your pocket. I don't need anything. I'm good. Well, I got to get something. No, you don't need to get me anything. I got you. I got the Lord. That's all I need. I don't need any more toys. I got plenty. Put our focus on Him. How radical would it be for us? One year. Whatever money we spend on Christmas money, we take it and we give it someplace where the gospel, gospel can be furthered. I think of Nixon. He's in the Philippines. We give him, what, 100 bucks a month, maybe 200 bucks a month, I can't remember right now. I don't know how he survived. I'm sure his church is taking care of him. But... How much more could he use that money than I could? That star is still shining. Matthew begins with come and see. And he closes the book with go and tell. This is what Christmas is about. To not worship him equals trouble. Now it gets troubling. Matthew chapter 2, verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be. That would be great if it was... And he says he wanted to worship, but we know that wasn't his goal. He lied. There's no other record that they pursued the existence of the Messiah for themselves. He should have joined these men. Say, hey, wait a minute, let me get my coat and I'll go with you. Let's go find him. I want to worship him too. Didn't happen. Verse 3. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem. And then verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under. That's where we get to two years how old he might have been. But I think he would have covered himself and probably made it a little bit longer. Probably. According to the time that he had determined from the wise men. And we have a fulfillment of scripture spoken by Jeremiah. The voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more. I think there's some families today that can understand that verse, can't, don't you? The tragedy took place. I think there's probably more than 20 male child children killed during this time. The question is, as some are asking with what happened in our nation, why would God allow something like this to happen? The only way I can look at it is this. How important is Jesus to the world? How scary is he to the world? It was so scary that Herod found it necessary to kill all male babies two years and under to get rid of him. Now ultimately, who was behind that? We know it's Satan. He was trying to eliminate Jesus Christ before he could come and do what he came to do. 
because he came for one purpose to die now we're all going to die but his purpose was very specific so Jerusalem was also very troubled by this news this is Jerusalem the capital of Israel the heart of where God has met with Israel from the time he put them there and they are troubled by it now our nation is not Israel but there was a day in our nation when Christ was preeminent in this country is he preeminent now we want to eliminate him from society any way we can why it's the same similar principle we don't want what he's got to offer if we can eliminate him from our thinking then we're safe but they don't realize it won't change a thing you're still going to hell if you don't accept him the only hope they have is to worship him as the redeemer because I'm a sinner needing a redeemer I need this gift I was thinking what to put on our sign because I didn't want it blank for several weeks so I put on there if you read our sign Christ is the gift eternal life forgiveness of sins peace it's interesting somebody noticed they called me yesterday she's the gal that does the news for the White Town Hall she says see your message on the sign and I see you've been offering counseling what can I do to promote that by way of a news article yeah I can, I can tell you what to do <laughs> so she's going to put in the news tomorrow praise the Lord but somebody noticed that we're giving people hope that hope is Jesus Christ it's not a star it's who the star represents Herod didn't want to worship the Messiah verse 16 we see that all these babies were killed emphasizing the importance of who Jesus Christ is now we know the Columbine thing and that's all been brought up in news again but what was the purpose of those two young men killing we know there was teenagers that were asked are you a Christian yes sorry took their life and as a result of that the gospel's gotten out in fact one of those fathers is still on a preaching circuit sharing his testimony and the testimony of his daughter because of what took place there I gotta believe something similar is gonna come out of the same thing now we don't know what his motive was and in this day and age do they have to have a motive <laughs> we live in a sin cursed world we have a sin cursed mind and we may not have a motive doesn't matter God is still gonna use it to his glory some will turn against God but many will turn to him the world doesn't want to worship him but we need to and we need to make that our focus here today we need to acknowledge his star and who it represents and make him the star of our life Herod was his own king he was his own God his kingdom was threatened his power was threatened his wealth was threatened his prestige his possessions because somebody was going to take it from him and that was not acceptable and that's the same way it is the world today that's why people don't like Christ today because he threatens their kingdom I have built my kingdom I've worked hard to accumulate the things that I have and I don't want anybody to take it away from me what they don't seem to remember is someday they're going to die and they're not taking it with them anyways enjoy what God's given you but don't make it your God don't make it the reason you're living make the reason you're living is Christ and everything he's given us use it to further the gospel use it to edify the saints use it to draw yourself closer to him that's the purpose of what he's given to us and I think we as Americans are spoiled we've forgotten where it all came from didn't Israel do the same thing in their upbringing it was in Zechariah we read that you know 
The temple lays ruined, and yet you panel your houses. Now, there's nothing wrong with paneled houses, so I'm not criticizing if you have paneled houses. <laughs> but the point he was trying to make was, your focus is not on your worship. Your focus is on your own temple. Your physical world. You've paneled your houses when your temple lays in ruins. And he wasn't so concerned about the temple being in ruins, was he? What was the temple that was in ruin? Themselves. And today the Bible makes it very clear that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as long as I keep letting sin come in, I'm dirtying up the temple. And that's what he's talking about. And Christ needs to be worshipped as our authority. He is worthy of our worship. And so we see in verse 2 of Matthew again, these men came to worship him. That was their purpose. They knew what they were looking at. They were looking at wonder work underneath that star. They knew what was under that star. And they came for a very specific purpose, to worship the king. I ask us today, why did we come to church today? Are we looking for some favor from God because we're, we're sacrificing and we're donating to God an hour of our time? I trust I know you folks well enough. That's not your case. But there's many other church today that that's why they're there. They're not interested in really worshiping God. They're looking for a favor from God. And so I'll give God an hour of my time, but there's no worship. It's, it's, they're, they're enduring it just to get through it so that God will smile upon me this week. We need to acknowledge His authority. He is our King. Is He, is he a King in your life? Do you enjoy having Him as the King of your life? Or is it like a dictatorship? Oh God, do I really have to? <laughs> I really have this in mind. This is what I really would like to do. Or and Sometimes the king asks us to do some very difficult things, doesn't he? And there goes our comfort zone. There goes my kingdom. Anybody want to admit their kingdom is the comfort zone? Yep, that's where I'm at. I am glad that my Savior didn't complain about his comfort zone. Because if he did, he might not have died on the cross. These men gave him honor in verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented him gifts, gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a whole message in that alone about those gifts. We're just going to mention quickly here this morning, but they honored him. They fell down and worshipped him. When's the last time you and I spent any time on our face before God? Why did they fall down? I mean, he's just a baby. Not over two years old. And yet they're bowing down and, and laying at least on their knees, but maybe even prostrate before a two-year-old who doesn't even know. He probably thought they were going to play games or something. I don't know how much he really understood. But they knew, didn't they? They were humble before God. How much effort do we seek to humble ourselves before Almighty God? Now, for some of it, it's kind of hard to get on our knees anymore because we can't get up. <laughs> right? <laughs> but mentally, if nothing else, can we get on our knees before God? Admit before our Almighty God that I'm a sinner? A filthy, dirty, rotten sinner before a holy God. And thank God He doesn't see me that way. He sees me through the blood of Christ. I am declared perfect before Him. That should cause us to worship. And yet it goes much farther than that. As I shared with somebody this week, we're joint heirs with Christ. What does Christ own? The universe. I'm a joint heir with him. What do we own? We 
in the universe. Talked to one gentleman this week. He was, you know, I just live in a trailer. So, what do you own? Well, that's all I own. No, you don't. You said you're a believer. Yeah, I am. I said, you're a joint heir with Christ. That means whatever he owns, you own. What's he own? Well, I never thought of it that way before. Yeah. We think what we own is what we can get our hands on. Man, there's parts of this universe that we may never see. <laughs> In all eternity, how vast is the universe? I don't know how they know it, but I don't know how big their telescopes are, but they say there's over a million galaxies out there. Wow. That's what we own. That's because of this little baby who became a man, who was God. These men expressed great joy in verse 10. Exceedingly great joy. They worshiped by their giving. Verse 11, as we see, the giving was easy. I don't know how much you give financially or time or effort or whatever. But is it a chore to give? If it's a chore to give in any way, we're not focusing on the Savior. Now, these men probably were very wealthy. We don't know how much they gave. But I really believe there is some symbolism here. And we're just going to mention it quickly. Gold is obviously a representative royalty. Frankincense is often associated with prayers, the incense. The myrrh is the final, the, the, the different one. You know what myrrh was used for? What do you smell like after a couple days of being in the grave? You remember the women after Christ had been in the grave three days? What did they do? They were going to the tomb for what? To anoint his dead body with spices. That's what this myrrh is. Do we see the picture? He was born to die. I wonder this. I wonder if Mary hung on to this myrrh until his death. Because didn't she know why he was coming? This was no ordinary child and she knew it. She knew he was the Messiah. She knew he was going to die. I wonder if she hung on to that myrrh. And then right after this, where did Adam and, or, uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus go? Egypt. How did they live in Egypt? I wonder if they gave them enough gold to survive the time while they were in Egypt. I often wonder, why did he take them to Egypt? Could God have taken care of them right there without sending them to Egypt? Why did he send them to Egypt? I think it's a new picture of Israel coming out of Egypt. What is Egypt a picture of for all of us? Our sinful condition. A picture that Jesus Christ is the one that leads us out of that sinful condition. That's the picture. And so while they were in Egypt, they had to finance themselves in some way. Unless Joseph got a job, which he could have. But traveling wasn't cheap. I wonder if God was, they didn't use this money to finance their care while they were in Egypt. God was taking care of them. These were gifts of worship. Now again, we see scripture talks about where the rich man gave like a hundred bucks. And that was like nothing compared to his wealth. God was not impressed at all. Who was he impressed by? The woman who gave all she had, her two pennies. Because she gave 100%. Who did he honor? We know. That two cents to him is like two million bucks. The other guy, well, you gave 10 cents. You could have given more. That wasn't much of a worship. Uh, we don't know what the extent was that they gave here. And it doesn't really matter at this point. If it was significant, we'd have more information. But as we are now in this Christmas season, 
And I, I praise the Lord, I'm hearing of other businesses in Walmart that used to put Christmas and Happy Holiday. Some of them have reverted back to saying Merry Christmas and putting Christmas on. And I thank God for that. There's been enough pressure, in a sense, if you want to call it that, influence from the Christians that some are reversing that. Praise the Lord for that. But we need to be very bold and unashamed of Jesus Christ the Messiah. As we do what these men did, that makes us wise. Because anyone who rejects Jesus Christ, God says, is a fool. When I stand before my God, I don't want to be labeled a fool, do you? I want to be labeled a wise man, one that worships the Almighty God, worships His Son. And so God did some very, very special things by sending a star, sending wise men from the east to let us know that the gospel is not just for the Jew, it's for the Gentile as well. And that would challenge us that because of him being here, babies lost their life. To further impact the world that this is no ordinary baby. This is no ordinary child. And we better worship him. We better love him because he's our redeemer. If you don't, there is a worse tragedy coming. These, these babies, if you want to look at the positive side of it, they're all in glory today. They didn't understand. By God's grace, he takes children to heaven, I believe. We can find that with David's situation. These ones that were killed, probably most of them, depending on range, are in glory today. That's the positive side if there is one. Even with abortion, over 45 million babies have been aborted in America alone since we started this business. There's 45 million that will be in glory. But here's a child that was born and God did several things that are beyond our comprehension to impress upon a lost and dying world. Your Messiah is here. He is the most valuable and precious gift you can ever receive. And so our challenge to you today, if you are sitting here today and you've never said, Lord, I'm a sinner, I, I need a Messiah, I need a Redeemer, I need this gift, you need to pray that prayer right now where you're sitting because you have no guarantee you're going to survive this day. And if you believe that Jesus, Jesus is everything He says He is, today's the day to do it if you've never done it. And it will be the most valuable gift. You'll, I mean, we were having fun last night with our gifts. And the saw went around a couple times because that was probably the most valuable thing there as we saw it. And the other gifts went around. We had fun with it. But there's no gift more valuable than Jesus Christ himself. And that one will last forever. And we need to accept that gift today. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that you sent your son Thank you, you made it evident to the whole world through the star, through these wise men, through the tragedy of these babies being slaughtered, to emphasize to the world the importance of who he is. Help us, Father, to worship you more and with great joy during this season and communicate to those that are around us, our Messiah is here. He is a precious gift. It's free. Please accept that you might have the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.